today. A judge refuses to drop the charges against General Michael Flynn immediately. Uh, Florida, Georgia and Texas see slight declines in their coronavirus cases after reopening. And CNN is fake news because we just live in Groundhog Day and every day CNN is fake news. But we've got an example for you coming up shortly. There's a lot to get into and it starts right now. Welcome to the news and why it matters. I'm Sarah Gonzalez. I didn't mean to do that. I just kind of <laughs> flipped that in the middle of <laughs> I'm Sarah Gonzalez today, joined by uh, chief researcher Jason Buttrell of the Glenn Beck program. Uh, we've also got we've got two of our hottest Blaze TV contributors in studio at the same time. All right. We've got Eric July and Josh Hammer. I can't believe you're here at the same place at the same time. <laughs> it's good to have you. It's good to be here. Sarah. <laughs> uh, all right. We've got a lot to get into. First, this. This is like just the story that keeps on going, and I don't think we're hearing a lot about it in the mainstream media. But Michael Flynn, we heard that the DOJ was dropping the charges based off of uh, new evidence that I know Michael Flynn's attorneys worked very hard to bring forward. It appeared that the FBI was, uh, you know, basically setting the guy up. Uh, to try to get him to lie, according to their notes, so that they could charge him with something, kind of skirting the rules around there. So Bill Barr, DOJ, said we're dropping the charges. Uh, But apparently the judge in the case says that he will not dismiss the case against Flynn. Uh, He instead wants to hear from, uh, from outside parties from friend of the court briefs, amicus briefs, which I'm sure that you, Josh, can explain to all of us dummies who are just like (laughs) regular everyday people who don't understand these legal terms. But uh, so the judge is not dropping the case. Okay, tell tell us why other than just like he wants to hear from the amicus briefs. Well, there really is no reason. Um, okay. I mean, like, Constitution... So we're not missing anything. You're not missing anything. Uh, <laughs> whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a common man, a layman, no one here is missing anything. Yeah. This is... What's, what's happening here, this is just a willful violation of the rudimentary separation of power structure, okay? The, prosecu- the prosecution of federal crimes is solely entrusted to the executive branch, okay? I think most people know that. Mm-hmm. The role of a judge is not to decide whether to press charges or drop charges, continue charges, or to go out of his way to try and seek to indict and ultimately criminalize someone. That is not the role of the judge. Yeah. It is the sole prerogative of the executive branch, and here the Department of Justice, of course, ultimately going yeah. up to Attorney General Barr, and obviously above him, the President of the United States, who ultimately has plenary power over Article II, the entire executive branch. It is up to that branch and that branch only to decide when to press charges, when to drop charges. When DOJ says drop charges, that's it. Mm. There's not supposed to be anything else. So, I, honestly, I, I don't know what's going on here. Um, I hope that House Republicans are... Are, are enraged. I mean, this is the kind of thing that, in theory, I think is totally fair game for judicial impeachment articles. I don't think I'm like out of my league to suggest that. I think that is a very appropriate constitutional remedy for this sort of gross, uh, indecorous uh, conduct. Um, it's possible I'm missing something in the story, but based on the facts that I've seen so far, that's basically my read on it. Is there precedent? I'm so glad you're here today because I, like, <laughs> when I read this, I was like, it's so over my head. But yeah. is there precedent for if? You know, in a case, they're like, the prosecutors really dropped the ball. They couldn't get it done. So the judge was like, is there anyone else in the room that can get it done? I mean, that kind of seems like is, is that seems like what he's doing here. Has that ever happened before? I mean, I'll put it this way. I mean, like when I clerked for a federal judge for a year and the U.S. Court of Appeals to the Fifth Circuit here in Texas, I, I didn't see that, obviously. I mean, um, I, you know, I, I mean, I'm 31 years old, so I haven't been around for that long. But I mean, I'm not a, I'm not aware of anything similar to this. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's what I was about to ask. Like, is the, what's the precedent set here? And if if it's 
happened before in any sort of capacity? I really don't know. I really don't know if this is just something that is just completely odd or ab- abnormal. Or is this something that may happen every every now and then? Either way, I don't understand what else there is to discuss if the charges have been been dropped so i don't know what else there is to be even be talking about right and especially like he not only just said hey is there anybody else in the room that can maybe get this done but he (laughs) chose i want to hear everyone's arguments still i I realize that (laughs) the the, the charges but uh let's just maybe just curious maybe just (laughs) curious but especially he chose basically they've proven themselves as to be hyper partisans So they've already got a dog in the fight. These are former Watergate prosecutors. And ever since, I think, last October, they've been penning op-eds. One was, I think, in the Washington Post where they were like, hey, you know, this guy needs to be impeached, as in Trump. Let's get rid of Trump. It shows they've already shown their bias here. So that's just another strike on this. Like, wouldn't you get some outside, like, hey, they clearly, these people don't have a dog in the fight. They're completely neutral. What do you guys think? That would still be weird because I, I can't remember a precedent for this. But you chose the partisans. That, and that was, my, that, that was my question, too, the thing that, that struck, that stuck out to me as well was that if you're seeing that all of this weird stuff is going on behind the scenes, the FBI is trying to set this guy up. Okay, the DOJ actually says, yeah, we're not going to touch this anymore because it stinks. And then you've got a judge who is willing to stick his neck out and say, I'm going to, you know, not like go by any sort of precedent and just set my own. To me, that's just such a bold, like, I'm just part of the deep state and I'm just going to go with it. I don't even care. No, that's right. So so, so there was a mini controversy earlier in in the Trump presidency where Trump made a reference about a quote unquote Obama judge. Okay, at the time, Chief Justice Roberts kind of tried to swap that down. He made a, a fairly I would say he was trying to depoliticize, but in so doing, he actually was being overly political. He came out and he said there's no such thing as a Trump judge, no such thing as an Obama judge. We're all the same Article three judges at the time. I wrote numerous columns and I'm happy to like say again today. Trump Trump is right on that. Roberts is wrong. Mm-hmm. Now, in theory, obviously, perhaps, it, but honestly, like, I was gonna say, like, I was gonna say, according to like the founding era political theory, Roberts is right. That's actually not even accurate, though. Like going back to the founding era, judges were extremely partisan. There was an impeachment of Justice Samuel Chase on the U.S. Supreme Court in the first decade of the 1800s. It was a grotesquely partisan affair. Like uh, the, the, the Jeffersonian Democrat Republicans were just trying to impeach the Federalist Party justice, basically. So it's always been this way. There have always been very partisan judges. That's all that's going on here. It strikes me. It, it really is that simple. We go into a lot of this on Glenn's show tonight, but the railroading of Mike Flynn has been absolutely insane. And I can't get to the point to where anyone can actually look at the case and say, oh, yeah, Flynn needed to be prosecuted on this. I can't see how they come to any other. And I'm sure maybe, Josh, you might have a completely different uh, you know, opinion on this. But me personally, I don't see how there's even a case. Um, for one, just talk about the reputation. Can I just uh, hopefully I have about 30 minutes here? Um, <laughs> Whoa, <hold on> a <laughs> second. <laughs> the railroading of Mike Flynn, just to start off with, they used this like, uh, uh, and this is the, the basis for the FBI when they said they opened the investigations, like, or that he has ties to all these like ru- Russian right. entities in Russia. What they're talking about is he went and gave a speech uh, that was hosted by RT. They paid him about 40 grand to give this speech. Um, and they're trying to paint this picture of, oh, he's a Russian agent because he's with this Kremlin-linked group. It's total bullcrap. Former U.S. heads of state do this all the time. Mm-hmm. In fact, that was 2015. That same year, Bill Clinton gave a speech to a Kremlin-linked bank. Wow. But they didn't give him $40,000. Bill Clinton would never lower himself to forty grand. <laughs> they gave him $500,000. Wow. Now, there's one big difference. They didn't start a, a counterintelligence investigation against uh, Bill Clinton. 
you know, and it, the reasons are obviously why. One guy was just jumping on for the Trump campaign. The other guy was married to Hillary Clinton. Mm. So who's going to get investigated? Mm. Who do you think? Yeah. Um, but when you look at the actual basis for the case, it's not a crime just to lie to the FBI. Like, if someone said, hey, Jason, do you like all your wife's cooking? I'm like, yeah. Right? Like, oh, really? We have phone intercepts where you say you hate her meatloaf. Oh, my gosh. Put him in prison. No, it didn't work that way. Correct me if I'm wrong here, Josh. But I'm pretty sure that it has to be material to Correct. whatever they're That's looking right. at. Okay, great. So we already know on January 4th, based off of recent documents that were just released, that they were closing the case on Mike Flynn. In fact, you can read it. It says, we no longer consider him part of the overall Russia investigation it, this is her, their closing statement. Mm-hmm. That's what they're doing. That, that, was, that was there. Okay, It's done. It should have been over right there. So how can you get him, if you've already determined he's not guilty of anything for this, how can you say he committed a crime when he lied about something later? And even that is, some, is, kind of, is, is real shady. Yeah. If, in fact, if you read it, they're like, hey, did you talk about those sanctions? He, he said, not really. Uh, I don't think so. I didn't really tell them, no, don't do something. That's almost a direct quote, actually. Wow. That's what started this. So then uh, jo- Josh is just acting as like our, uh, we're just going to bounce all this stuff off you, Josh, uh, today. So do you have to, if, when the FBI is investigating something, and Jason brought up that it has to be, if you're lying to them, it has to be something material. To investigation, yeah. Do, does the FBI have to tell you what they're looking for, right? Like, do they have to say, well, I'm investigating you being involved in X, Y, Z so that you know whether or not you're lying about something that's relevant to the case? You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Because before we even get to the investigative phase where this question and answer is happening, you've been indicted for a crime. So, like, you're aware okay. So you're aware of, like, of, of what the government is looking for because the formal indictment has been issued, the grand jury has met, et cetera. Okay. Um, so, so at that point, you're aware of what the government is seeking, um, so, yeah. yeah. Okay, got it. I'm, I'm sorry, but they, they did this to a 30-year combat vet, yeah. a general, right. former director of the Defense Intelligence Agency. They did this to this guy. Yeah. I mean, you talk about, you know, law enforcement overstep. I mean, if they can do it to him, imagine what they'll do to me. Yeah, a you know, lot. They, all of us. They don't like you. They don't like you at all, Jason. They definitely you, don't You uncover anymore. way too much <laughs> about them. Eric, when you were here last, I think it was Friday, mm-hmm. you were here last, and um, we were discussing, you know, he's, hello, libertarian in the room. Yeah. We were discussing the, the how, yeah. yeah, this is, this is uh, you know, the FBI doing this. is It's just a, another reason for you to say, don't trust the government. <laughs> I would gather that the judge doing this on top of all of that doesn't uh, doesn't make things any better for no, you. No, well, at least when I analyze it, I, I think a lot of people expect, for whatever reason, I mean, I, maybe it's just being optimistic, and they expect that these court, uh, whether it be officials, judges, and so forth, to be completely objective, mm. have absolutely no sort of political slant, no sort of uh, political bias. And I don't understand where that kind of come from, definitely when you consider how some of them even get in their positions, be it in the Supreme Court or what have you. But if anything, I would hope that people see this and analyze it and say that, yes, there absolutely is. They're politically motivated in in some capacity. Now, that's scary Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, you look at someone in a high uh, court as that and you're like, well, if he's doing that, are people below them doing the same thing? Uh, And like you said, like it happened to him. 
let's say if this happened, could this happen to someone else? And, you know, so we've talked about this before. We wouldn't be able to fight it because mm-hmm. um, we don't have, you know, money. We don't have those sort of big, big lawyers to back us up and so forth. So if anything, I would hope people look at it and, and, and see that, that, yeah. look, they, they do have political leanings. I mean, it's just being completely optimistic to act like, oh, it's this rule of law. It's just they're always subjective and they just analyze the facts as they are. And that's how they make a, their judgment. And, and I'm not saying that they're just completely void of any sort of objectivity, but to just act like they have no actual political slant and just can analyze something and just be like, all right, well, we're just, I'm just going to look at the facts and that's it. Never mind the politics that are in play. I just don't see how people can think if, that. If I didn't know any better, I'd think you are a cynical person. Josh, so what do you make of Lindsey Graham already coming out? And saying we're not going to investigate or we don't we don't foresee the need to talk to Obama, really investigate Obama being involved, just his, you know, his actors. Um, I mean, Lindsay's trying to defuse the situation, obviously. I mean, that's not really my modus operandi as a regular rule of thumb. I mean, this really kind of has a sneaking suspicion of going all the way up to the top. I mean, like there was a headline that broke, I think, like what, 34 minutes before we sat down here, that Joe Biden himself came up in the list of people who was involved in, in requesting the unmasking of Michael yeah. Flynn. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're getting to that level and the vice president of the United States is involved, it's not a far stretch to say the president of the United States is involved. I mean, it's kind of like the number two guy versus the number one guy, right? right? It's not. So, uh, look, I, Lindsey Graham, his instincts, I think, oftentimes are kind of like kumbaya, you know, peace pipe, just let, let's all get along. The Kavanaugh hearing, obviously, was a big exception to that. That was, that was Lindsey unhinged. And every so often, he does get Which there. Which was great. It was great. Uh, <laughs> let's bring that back. Yeah, up. I prefer that, Lindsey. If they do not go straight to Obama, then I am be so freaking pissed off. Because we know, look just at a ton of timeline right now. We know the FBI closed the investigation on the 4th. On the 5th, there was a meeting at the White House. This is in transcript. And we know specifically Obama called back both Comey and Sally Yates of the DOJ. In that moment, that's when the Logan Act stuff first came up. Right then. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm filling in a lot of blanks here. But it kind of seems like Obama was like, Comey, what the hell, bro? Yeah. I gave you specific in- instructions. How can we get this guy now? I don't care if you close the investigation. Yeah. Logan Act. Yeah. He sp- I believe he started it. I don't want to get in too much trouble. Let me just quickly chime in. Is like the, I, have, I have to do this. I'm sorry. The Logan Act is the dumbest thing yeah. in the history of political rhetoric. Just so everyone here is aware, for the viewers at home, perhaps more importantly, literally not a single person has ever been prosecuted in the entire history of the United States under the Logan Act. It's a legislation that goes back... 225 plus years from something like along those lines. It has literally never been used to prosecute anyone. Like it, it, it is the talking point of hacks and morons and people who don't know yeah. what the hell they're talking about, frankly. So I just had to get that out there. No, yeah, it was before people had telephones. And you could literally, in the 1700s, you could throw on a white wig and stroll yeah. into Paris and say, you know, I speak for the U.S. government. You know what I mean? Right. Like, oh, really? Right. He's got a white wig on. He, might, he looks pretty <laughs> official. That's when it was for. Yeah. Uh, so it's not even constitutional anyway. So it probably is anti-First Amendment. That's right. Here we go. All right. I got to cut this one off. It's going to go on forever. Okay. Coming up next, uh, Florida, Georgia, and Texas see slight declines after reopening uh, their states. Uh, I heard that we were all going to die and we were killing people. So we'll get into that next. But uh, first, we want to thank our sponsor, Brickhouse. So eventually, I know we're all self-isolating, but eventually, well, not us. We're the expendables over here. Uh, Eventually, we're going to all need to be around everyone else again. And uh, I don't know if you remember this about gathering in common places. 
places, but one of the best ways to avoid getting sick is a healthy immune system, which is why you should be taking Field of Greens from Brickhouse Nutrition. Uh, one scoop of this stuff has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It boosts your energy. It supports a healthy immune system. Um, and for those of you, especially the men out there, I'm going to be sexist, all right? I'm just going to say it. You guys don't eat your vegetables, okay? <laughs> Maybe a small percentage of you actually like to eat your vegetables, but most of you just choke them down because your wife tells you you need to eat your vegetables. All right, well, this is a way that you can do it and get your wife off of your back. You're welcome. You can also reduce your risk of heart disease, hypertension, stroke, and cancer. It's prebiotic, probiotic. It's a great source of vitamins, fiber, and other nutrients. It tastes great in water. You don't even, I mean, you don't, you could mix it in the juice, but that's just additional sugar. I'm telling you, you don't need it. You can just do water. We do it at my house all the time, just water. My husband drinks it. It's great because um, I don't I don't police his vegetable eating. Right now, you can save 15% off your first order with the offer code BLAZE at BrickHouseBlaze.com. That is BrickHouseBlaze.com. If you subscribe, you'll save an extra 10%. That is BrickHouseBlaze.com. Offer code BLAZE. <laughs> All right, a new report from Axios. So, all right, take that with a grain of salt. It's from Axios. I'm letting you know, okay? Uh, shows that some of the states that we were told would be, uh, in fact, killing all the grandmas, all the grandpas, certainly the great grandmas and grandpas, because they don't stand a chance. They're way older and sicker. Uh, because they were reopening their economies, we were told that that was going to happen. Apparently, it is not. Florida, Georgia, and Texas are all seeing slight declines in coronavirus cases since opening, uh, Florida's new cases have actually declined by 14 percent compared to the previous week, and Georgia's fell by 12 percent. Um, and so Texas, there is a slight decrease. We've still got kind of stagnant uh, line of cases per day, but uh, just a very, very slight decrease here in Texas. Um, Jason, what happened? It's almost like the experts are sometimes wrong or in the coronavirus case, like uh, all the time wrong. Well, they've been they've been showing that they've been wrong the entire time. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's that's interesting though, because that kind of goes against my logic. I would think that they would still go up. That's the, 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 those numbers don't concern me though. Right. The numbers that would concern me are is what they said was the goalpost way back when this started, mm -hmm. which was how hospitals are handling it. Right. So that's all I really want to know about. I, I don't care if there's more people getting coronavirus because it's going to happen. And that, so that's your point is they told us already that like everyone is bound to get it, so right. we shouldn't fear. Whether or not it goes up, exactly. it should just be the hospital systems and whether or not right, they're right. The, the more the more that they start opening up, the more cases you're going to see. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. The question is, how are hospitals handling it? Um, are they so overloaded that they're having to pick and choose? Because we said they, that's what they told us was going to happen in the beginning. Mm -hmm. That was also wrong. Yeah. I don't think that's happened anywhere. Not even in New York, no, I don't not believe. Not even in New York. They've had, the, they've had the respirators. They've had the space. Yeah, they gave, what, 40? They had to give, like, they a did, bunch And they back. didn't even use, like, yeah, a big percentage. Like, a very, very, almost insignificant percentage of them even got used. Yeah, they gave, they gave them some to somewhere else. Right, Because exactly. they didn't even use them, but they claimed that they needed them or else. But that was the whole point from the beginning. That was, like, we're doing these right. shutdowns so that that doesn't happen. It never happened. I think we're prepared by now. 
We should be by if, now. If they're not, that's on them. At that, the end of the day, no, like right. that's. I don't care how heartless that that sounds. Like that is a, a market in itself. And if they have been spending this three three months not preparing themselves for this situation, it's not on us to sit up here and just wait for them to get it together. But yes, that's exactly my concern as well. Are the hospitals being overwhelmed? I refuse to move the post. I know they keep trying to, and they keep wanting us. They'll point to so and so's dying. This person, look. That was never the goalpost. You hold ne- on, hold on. Are you telling me that death is in fact a part of life? Oh yes, viruses as well. Yes, really. Bacteria, germs, all of that stuff existed <laughs> wow. prior to COVID nineteen. Believe oh. it or not, but that's the point. The, the goalpost was there. That was the whole point of flattening the curve. It had absolutely nothing to do with limiting the number of deaths. It had nothing to do with limiting the number of infected. It had everything to do with ensuring that you didn't. Well, mostly you didn't want to have it at the same time. Or everybody getting infected at the same time, so that you didn't over the hospital systems mm. so when we see these you know news sources and so forth talk about you know they're going to highlight every sort of isolated incident 29 year old person died of, uh, of of the coronavirus or so forth none of that even even matters in the context of where the goalpost was at as it stands right now pretty much everywhere in the country even in, in spots throughout new england which got hit the hardest They've been able to maintain themselves. We've seen them closing down shops that Navy ship left um, and so forth without having ever got been been using any of those sort of hospital beds and stuff that they were setting up in the tents and so forth. We never got to that point. And Even it, charity groups were there to yeah, help them out, and yeah. they didn't get overrun. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So we never got to that point. I don't really see why we'd get to that point. Now, uh, even even so more so. But that was the whole point. So we can't let them move that goalpost. We understand that, unfortunately, it is a part of life that people do get sick. And if the wrong people get these viruses, they may they may get severely sick, hospitalized or they may die. But that's not anything that's new. Yeah, Josh. So the goalpost point is the most important point in this entire discussion. I just want to emphasize that and kind of like repeat that just so everyone can like get this point and like just hammer it home, so to speak. When we as a society, <laughs> thank you. It was bad. It was bad, but I tried. I got it. it was bad. <laughs> um, when we as a, as a society consented to all these sundry, draconian lockdown policies, these shutdowns, and we agreed to all the quarantines and the masks and everything, there was literally one statistic, yeah. one metric that we were ostensibly supposed to keep our eyes on and never, never gaze off of. Mm-hmm. And it was hospital capacity. If the hospitals were overloaded, if the hospitals were underloaded, that was the only thing that we as a people were told to care about. It wasn't about the vaccination. It wasn't about death. It wasn't about anything. So that 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 is, that's very well said. I just want to make sure the viewers understand that. So the, what the left has done in trying to shift the goalposts here in, in this discussion is arguably, from my perspective, arguably, it's an interesting debate, but arguably even more of a goalpost shifting exercise than what they've done from believe all women to listen to all women. Really? Arguably. I mean, wow. like, we're talking about hospital overload to what? Possibly just remaining in lockdown for 18 months to 24 months. Till, that's, that's utterly absurd. So the, the viewers, I, I hope, are paying attention to understand that. But one other, one other point that I want to make, what's interesting to me is like since day one that this pandemic started, the statistics have kind of always been questionable, right? Because it's always been a denominator problem in all these various fractions. Who's getting tested? Well, people who are getting tested are the people who are symptomatic. What about all the asymptomatic people? There's, right. there's been a million things that cast a huge shadow of doubt upon every statistic that we've seen. The statistics that you read at the outset of this segment for the states that have reopened, those are real statistics. Mm-hmm. There's no denominator problem there. That is a legitimate numerator, a legitimate denominator. You can spit out a percentage, and those are, those are statistically relevant numbers. So those numbers, to me, are more statistically and uh, politically important, I guess I would say, 
than any other statistic that we've seen thus far. So I hope that the lockdown apologists are paying attention right now because we actually have real meaningful statistics. Yeah. Um, and later on, I do want to get into because, you know, you mentioned the, you know, just sitting in lockdown until we have a vaccine manufactured. Um, that is a I want to get into that next because that's a, a CNN story gone wrong. Uh, fake news from CNN that we talked about yesterday. But I want to get into just kind of piggybacking off of the vaccine thing. Just how I think unhealthy, you guys tell me where I'm wrong, how unhealthy the this new view is that we should be scared of viruses, right? Like we shouldn't leave our doorstep until we're sure that we won't catch a virus. And even then, you should be in trouble, Eric, if you go out to a store and infect me, you're basically killing me. This mindset is so dangerous to me that I'm responsible for you dying or living even though I've not done anything directly to you. It's so dangerous. It's dangerous and it's silly because we never ever were held to that standard or held each other to that standard. Like I said, viruses, bacteria, all of that stuff was a thing prior to this and we always knew no matter what it was if the wrong person or the right person depending on how you want to define it if they got it they may act or react completely differently than you doesn't matter what it was a flu whether it's caused hundreds of thousands of coronaviruses that that exist or just bacteria and germs that exist and if the wrong person may get it they may react. Well, and that's, that's what I said. I mean, really, new. if you want to put fault on it, which I wouldn't because it's just a part of a free society is, you know, you have that risk of getting uh, contagion. But really, I'm like, if you want to put that on someone, put it on your own poor immune system. Yeah. Most I mean, de- I most hate to definitely. say it like that, but it's like if you really want to blame one single thing, wouldn't it be the person's immune system? And my thing is, if they're supposedly, because this is for whatever reason, people don't seem to understand that ease of restrictions, and we talked about this on the show, it does not mean that they are forced to leave their quarantine spots if they don't want to. Right, right. It means that they can't force everybody else to remain quarantined or businesses not to be able to open it and so forth. That's what it means. There's no new risk in the event that the restrictions are eased. There's no new risk being assumed by those people that they don't already assume now, even if it's going to like, well, I still have to go to the store. Well, you had to do that now and you certainly had to do it before then. And like right. we've talked about how Walmart does not have magic doors <laughs> when they block the, block the virus or anything like that. So there's no new risk assumed. So I don't understand. And we all assume it just even being here around right. table. Correct. We all assume that that's that's just a real thing and it's not a new thing. So I'm, I'm really confused as to why that is the approach. And people say, well, you don't have the right to go and kill someone or something like that. And it's just such, a, such an odd way to word it. For one, considering how not lethal this this virus right. is for the vast majority of, of populations, but more so because this is not a new thing that should or more so a risk that is assumed by every individual throughout the history of mankind. Yeah. Not lethal. To 98% of the population. <laughs> yes. right. That's that's an actual statistic at, at fact as well. 98%. Yeah. At least, right. Because it may be higher than that. Maybe like 99.9. You know what I yeah. mean? It's just For at least definitely for people that are, you know, my age and, you know, younger, certainly. It's almost like, well, I believe I was talking to, his name was Johnny Anitas out of Stanford University who did that uh, Stanford uh, study, the antibody study. And he was like for ages, I believe, under, I think they said 64 it's you're just as likely to die from driving your drive home to work as you are from this virus. Yeah, yeah, I just think that greater good mentality is so dangerous. All right, we've got more coming up, including CNN fake news. It's another day ending in day. Uh, First, we want to thank our sponsor, Freedom Debt Solutions. So the anxiety and stress caused by debt is overwhelming. I'm sure a lot of you know that right now. 
uh, you've lost jobs, maybe, you know, you're having trouble paying your bills, you feel like there's no way out, but there is, you don't have to do it alone, and Freedom Debt Solutions is here to help you right now. Obviously, there's no one-size-fits-all solution to getting out of debt, but Freedom Debt Solutions has more than 400 debt experts standing by to recommend the right solution for your specific situation. Uh, Freedom Debt Solutions could help you get rid of expensive credit debt faster than you can on your own. They've got one low affordable monthly program payment. And since 2002, they've served over 750,000 clients. They've settled over 2.7 million accounts and settled over, you're ready for this one, this is a big number, $10 billion in debt. If you have $10,000 or more in credit card debt, if you're struggling to make monthly payments right now, don't be ashamed, okay? There's a lot of people out there who are like you. Find out how you can talk to a Freedom Debt Solutions expert and get your free personalized debt consultation today. All you have to do is go to freedomdebtsolutions.com slash why. Don't live like this. It's not a way to live. Go to freedomdebtsolutions.com slash W-H-Y. Back in a minute. All right, CNN claimed in a viral tweet this week, which I brought up on the show yesterday, not really as a news story, but we were having a conversation and I said, oh, hey, I saw the CNN tweet that said that uh, 68% of Americans say that they believe a coronavirus vaccine is needed before returning to a normal life. So that tweet has uh, now been deleted because it was a completely misrepresented, uh, it, they misrepresented the poll results. So apparently 68% of respondents only responded that it was very important, but they didn't, it wasn't that we need a vaccine to return to uh, normal life. I believe that the, it was just 9%. <laughs> that went with a vaccine is needed. So you, we went from 68% to 9%. And, you know, the, the funny thing is, I, I'm sure that not as many people saw the retraction, always. Uh, you know, always. always. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are still walking around thinking that the majority of people think that we need a new va- a vaccine to get back to normal life. My point on the show yesterday was, I just think that's terrifying to think that 68% of people, the majority of people, really honestly believe they need a vaccine to feel safe from something that, as you guys pointed out, is is fine, is not lethal for 98, 99% of people of the population. Uh, now, at least we know it's only 9%, but 68% still think it is, quote, very important. I guess I'm the only one that still believes in, like, good old-fashioned immune system these days. Well, apparently the immune system does not exist anymore. I guess and That's not. how we're all acting. It is that they were canceled, I, I guess, guess, sometime last year, our, all of our immune systems. Um, well, so does they say over 60% still think it's important before they go back to normal life? It's yes. Just import- it's very important. So, Quote, very important. Not needed, but very important. So I, I so would factor in. I would argue that, yeah, it's important to have the vaccine. Mm-hmm. I mean, not before you go back to normal life, because we're talking... I mean, just look at the sh- how long these things typically take to do. Like, we're, we're, you're talking what, a year and a half before you than, develop? Probably way more than that, to be to be honest. Yeah. Before, like, the, it's going through its clinical trials and they've tested it and all that. It's probably going to be longer than that. So we'd be waiting forever. And then, like I said, I'm not going to be the first one in line to take oh, that not. thing at all. Mm-hmm. Like, if, you know. if ever, uh, I think Stu said it was like four years yeah. is the usual. I think the the quickest was 18 months, which is terrifying to think about. I, I'm, but, I, yeah, four years, maybe. 
Just, I, just four years until we return to normal life. What could possibly it. go that's wrong? I, I, I mean, obviously the media takes whatever's like better that's clickable for them, and yeah. that's what they throw out there. I, I, I think the best case scenario here for CNN is they just saw this as like, oh my gosh, this is what people think, and that's why they went with the with this. Like they saw what they wanted to see, but I don't know. There's so many people looking to take advantage. Yeah. Of this lockdown, right? What was now? the survey? The tweet literally said new survey says. Like, they didn't cite a survey. Like they didn't. It was apparently a Gallup poll, but they didn't cite oh, okay. it. There was no there was no sourcing in there where you could go and click yeah. on it and see it. You had to actually go and like look it up separately and then compare the two and I realize see. that they had totally just mis- misrepresented so the So an whole apple thing. is not in fact an apple. Yeah. <laughs> apparently not, although we were told by them that it was. Uh, now they are not the only ones engaging in fake news, as we already know. Uh, Josh, I think you were here Monday when we talked about Chuck Todd mm-hmm. and just the uh, Meet the Press, this awful, awful, awful misrepresentation of what Bill Barr said about the uh, the Michael Flynn case being dropped. Uh, and uh, just to kind of get into it without playing the whole thing for you, Chuck Todd only played part of the clip where Flynn or where uh, Bill Barr said, what did he say? He said, um, uh, I think the history Henry's depends written. on who's writing it. Right. Well, history just depends on who's writing it. So that's how you have to look at it. Oh, wait. After that, he said, but I think that this was a good decision and it was a, a, you know, a justifiable decision and justice was served here. So that's probably the part they left off. They conveniently (laughs) left that part off of the whole thing. Um, Chuck Todd finally apologizing for this. Here is what he had to say. In the bite that we aired and commented on. Mr. Barr was asked how he thinks the history of his decision to end the prosecution of the former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn will be written. Mr. Barr answered, quote, history is written by the winner, so it largely depends on who's writing the history. In the full version of the interview and transcript, he went on to say, but I think a fair history would say that it was a good decision because it upheld the rule of law. Now, we did not edit that out. That was not our edit. We didn't include it because we only saw the shorter of two clips that CBS did air. We should have looked at both and checked for a full transcript. A mistake that I wish we hadn't made and one that I wish I hadn't made. The second part of the Attorney General's answer would have put it in the proper context. And had I seen that part of the interview, I would not have framed the conversation the way I did. And I obviously am very sorry for that mistake. We strive to do better going forward. Obviously, he's very sorry for that mistake. Yeah, he, he looks like he looks like the you know the kid that his mom was like, "You better go over there and tell that guy you're sorry, <laughs> mom." You know, that's what that's pretty much what that looked like. I can actually see how a mistake like this would happen being mm-hmm. in this business because a lot of times you do get things like that. I, I guess the two clips were something that MSNBC just cut. I guess I'm assuming for their. Well, so they said that CB, so the the interview aired with CBS. So I think what Chuck Todd was saying, Mm. correct me if I'm wrong, that CBS was the one who put out that. different versions. Right, that Mm. clip, the the edited clip, and they took that edited clip that was already edited by CBS and ran with it instead of going and looking for the full version. I can see how that does happen in this business Mm -hmm. because there's just so much junk getting pushed out all the time. Hard to give them the benefit of the doubt, though. No, no, I don't because this just shows that, look, they are, they're one, they want to say whatever 
whatever proves their point. The, the preconceived notion they already have in their brains, if, if there's anything at all that comes along that kind of goes along with that, boom, put it out there immediately. Yeah. This went along with the narrative, not the facts. It went with the narrative, and they instantly threw it out there. That's, this is, yet again, I feel like we have to say this every single day, yet another example of why no one trusts the media anymore. I, again, it's just it's a good reason to su- subscribe to Blaze.com, actually. Actually, it's Blaze, Blaze TV. TV.com. Thanks. Thanks a lot. For I already that. got an email. Awesome. Someone yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I mean, I'm not sure if CBS has responded to that. It, it might devolve into like a he said, she said kind of thing for all I know. Yeah. Um, Look, I'll give Chuck Todd this much. I, I thought that was well done, the clip that we just saw. Whether it's sincere or not, I mean, I don't claim to know what's in his heart, obviously. At um, least he did it. At least he did it. Yeah. He seemed like it was in good faith. I mm-hmm. mean, like, at least like visi- visibly what I saw. But Jason's point is right. This is all, I mean, people kind of intuitively latch onto and then they air and, like, and they'll put on TV what confirms their priors. And that's obviously what happens here. And Look, I, I, Chuck Todd is not like the devil or anything like that, but he could, I, I've watched enough Meet the Press episodes. I actually try to watch it every week. I don't know why I do that to myself, Ugh. but I try to do it every week. He really does conduct his interviews quite differently for Republicans and Democrats. I've seen some incredibly hostile interviews of people like Ted Cruz, Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, interviews that like stand out in my mind. I don't think I can recall a single interview that he's done of a prominent Democratic elected, elected official that even comes close to that. So he's clearly a man of the left. He's very, it's very similar to George Stephanopoulos on ABC, obviously an old Clinton hand. Mm-hmm. Um, Chuck Todd, I think Chuck Todd's wife works for Planned Parenthood, doesn't she, if I'm not mistaken? I so. Yeah, I mean, like, he, he's clearly a lefty. I mean, it, it, but look, give credit where credit's due, I guess, that what we just saw seemed like ostensibly it was done in good faith. So I don't know. In MSNBC, awesome. M- MSNBC, you know that you're going to get that from them. They're not even trying to hide that they're like very hardcore left partisan. The problem is we used to be, and really Fox News is not trying to hide that either. Yeah. The problem is there's really no one that's, that's, there's no one anymore. They used to think that CNN used to be that. But now CNN is not that e- either. Yeah. Now they've jumped. Now they've basically become another MSNBC. Yeah. There's not a single mainstream outlet now that won't is not like this. You're trying to shut me down. I am. Me- I am. Speaking <laughs> of uh, CNN, they are having a uh, a coronavirus town hall. You will not believe who they have on the panel as an expert. Uh, we'll get into that next. First, we want to thank our sponsor, Gabby. All right, we're all looking for ways to save money now. I just talked to you about uh, you know debt and debt solutions. But uh, let's talk about when's the last time you looked at how much you're actually spending every month on car insurance, homeowners insurance, all of those things. You got to go to Gabby and see about getting a lower rate for the exact same coverage you already have. So Gabby is there to take the pain out of shopping for insurance. They give you an apples to apples comparison right there of your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers. And they have got, I mean, that's 40. I don't even, I can't even name five. So they've got all of them right there. All you have to do is link your current insurance account. And in two minutes, you will be able to see quotes for the exact same coverage you currently have. Now, they usually save uh, Gabby customers save $825 per year on the average. And if they can't find you savings, they just let you know. And they're like, Yay, celebrate because you already have the best rate out there. They're not in it for anything else and they will never sell your info. You're not going to get spam or robocalls. Uh, And it's totally free. What are you waiting for? It's going to take you two minutes. Make sure that you are not spending too much on your car and homeowner's insurance. Go to Gabby.com slash Y. That's W-H-Y. That is Gabby, G-A-B-I dot com slash Y. Gabby.com slash Y. Back in a minute. 
All right, CNN is having a, uh, a coronavirus town hall. It is called Coronavirus Facts and Fears. Now, let's run through the experts, okay, because I think you may find one that sticks out like a sore thumb. You've got former acting CDC director Richard Besser, uh, former HHS secretary Kathleen Sebelius, uh, activist Greta Thunberg, and uh, Dr. Sanjay Gupta. <laughs> Did you hear that one that I just slipped in there? Activist Greta Thunberg. Back on the main stage to talk about coronavirus. I don't know anyone who could be more of an expert, Eric, than Greta Thunberg on coronavirus. So I'm glad that she's there to tell us all what's up. Oh my God, I don't know. Maybe they're trying to set it up like she's just a representative of the younger, you know, generation or something. Which is the problem. Yeah, no, of course it doesn't make, (laughs) I'm just trying to make sense out of this nonsense, but I have absolutely really no idea what angle they're trying to go. I'm just trying to make, make sense of it. But look, you Ratings, can take it. Maybe. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm not sure. I don't know. Maybe she paid someone under the table. <laughs> not, I, I don't know what reason she is actually on this stage to try to lecture us about um, who knows about because I didn't even know climate she was. A, she knew she even spoke about like viruses and stuff like that. I thought it was just climate, climate stuff. I thought that was her expertise. Well, like, I yeah. will tell you. It does say here, she did say earlier this year that she had recovered from what she believed were mild coronavirus symptoms. So obviously she's the expert now. So I love it. I don't know if they did this accidentally or what, but I think it's amazing that they couldn't get what they wanted to get done through climate change. It wasn't scary enough, you know, so. They were like, hey, well, we've had with the threat of a worldwide virus. We can get all of our goals done with coronavirus that we've been trying to do for years and years and years with climate change. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I, I guess, for one, I don't think she's going to say anything except maybe how dare you or something like that. <laughs> um, but I just think it's hilarious that now they're not even really hiding that fact anymore. Yeah. You know, it's like. Again, you have to watch. I, I just read something from George Soros. He gave it an interview, uh, I think, to the European Council of Foreign Affairs a couple of days ago. And it was amazing the things that they're saying out loud now. Soros was saying, like, you know, he's basically like, he said something along the lines, and I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, like, capitalism will never be the same again. This coronavirus has given us uh, opportunities that we never would have dreamed of having before. Now, all those opportunities he's talking about were opportunities they were trying to get done through climate change. Right. Now, they're, now they're taking this other angle. Um, question every single move you see from politicians, things like this, because yeah. the, the things that they're talking about, that's why they have Greta there, because they know everyone that, that is all on her bandwagon for climate change will be all on everybody else's bandwagon for coronavirus. That's a great point that Jason makes, Josh. Uh, you know, they, they, uh, they said 10 years, no one really acted. We, have, we only got 10 years to live. Now they're like, oh, we're going to die right now if we don't do something. Mm. So Greta Thunberg is... Uh, modern-day renaissance woman, isn't she? I mean, she, she she kind of sort of maybe had the coronavirus. Now she's an expert in the coronavirus. I mean, is she is she going to eat, like, like a cucumber or a corn or some kind of vegetable tomorrow? She'd be, like, an farmer. expert in, like, farming like, or, 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 like, vegetation. I mean, like, get her on to, like, help the farmers out in Kansas or Nebraska or something. I mean, like, no, seriously, though. But, like, CNN's advertising this, if I recall, they build it as facts and fear. Well, she's mm-hmm. definitely going to provide one of those two things. Yeah. <laughs> she's going she, to bring no small amount of fear. I mean, there's one thing Greta Thunberg does. It's fear-mongering on stilts. So mm-hmm. I guess half false, half false, half true advertising on CNN's part. That's fair. That's fair. We'll see how many facts we actually get with that bunch. All right, we got to take a break. Back in a minute. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to watch it. Wild stuff. But I'll watch the clips.
at yesterday's poll. Do you have faith that Barr and the DOJ will prosecute the people involved in hashtag Obamagate, or do you think they'll get away with it? Uh, <laughs> that's a weird number. 66.6% of you said get away with it. Uh, that is awkward. 33.4% uh, of you said prosecuted. I'm with you guys on the, uh, the cynical, everyone's just going to get away with it. At least the main people, right? The top people, Obama, Biden, I don't, they're not going to go down for anything. They're like Hillary Clinton. They're just, they're just going to keep on going and keep on going no matter how many scandals they get wrapped up in. Uh, and today's poll, what is Joe Biden's biggest weakness this November? Your options are his corruption, the terror read allegation, mental faculties, or his record with China. I'm going mental faculties. I'm all in. Exactly the same. And that's yeah. going to get amplified the yes. more this goes on. Yes. Especially during debate time, which is going to be pay-per-view. I'll actually pay $100 every <laughs> debate just to watch it because it's going to be hilarious. Uh, but a lot of it's going to come out. He's just so e It's so easy to set him off. Yeah. Well, and I feel like, Eric, what, I think every week you can see a progression mm -hmm. of just, it just gets worse and worse. Yeah. He, I mean, a debate with, with him and Trump will be pay-per-view. <laughs> I may actually watch that and I won't even watch debates. Really? Well, they fight. But it's, I they don't might know. Actually, it, may, maybe, it won't maybe last get, long <laughs> if it does. <laughs> maybe he'll get fed up to the point to where he's like, all right, I'm going to sock him. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, for, for sure. Sure, his mental capacity is under question. Yeah, Josh, what do you think? I think close call between mental faculties and record with China. I'll actually say record with China, and for, for one very simple reason. It's under a microscope now. With mental faculties, they knew about during the primary, and they nominated him anyway. That's true. Although, I mean, I, I still feel like even from then, he's just, it just is a it gets worse every day. quick deterioration. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let us know what you guys think. You can go to the Blazes Twitter. We'll see you tomorrow. I mean, I...